0: Hello and welcome to a very special festive edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Rory McNamara, and today we're not going to step into the time machine. We're just going to look at some of the questions that you, dear listener, have asked us. Because we were thinking we've been doing this show for six and a half years now, but we are just those mysterious people who appear on your podcast players two or three times every month. And then we sashay away again, having discussed wrestling 20 years ago. And that's all you know about us. Hey, maybe that's all you want to know about us. But tough titty, said the kitty. You're going to hear a lot more about us, our wrestling fandom. Chris Lacey is here. Bonsoir. And Chris White is here. Hello. So then, my boys, are we ready? Let's get it on. These ones really do run the gamut of wrestling. Some old, some new, some borrowed, some blue. So let's start off with a nice easy one. This one came in from a lot of people. So boys, your wrestling fandom, where did it begin? What got you hooked? And why are you still a fan these days? Uh, Lacey, let's kick off with you.
1: So I am of the generation of wrestling being on ITV in the afternoon being world of sport. Um, And I used to always go around my nan's on a saturday afternoon and she used to watch it and you know from big daddy and haystacks to all that that was where it started and then we got sky and saw superstars in about 90 yeah because it was around the time of warrior and hogan going into WrestleMania 6 so just the massive color that the warrior was i was like my five or six year old brain was fucking blown i was like yes like this because it was much better than the UK stuff and there began a 30 year love of wrestling because yes it's 30 years ago since the 90s fuck we're old yeah, thanks for that So <laughs> yeah no it, that's pretty much where it started um, obviously we used to get WCW on ITV back in the day as well um, at silly o'clock in the morning so used to tape I can't remember the fucking power hour. I think it was or something like that, that they used to have on at that time. So mostly squash matches, but yeah, that's where we got into that. And then had the usual sort of lull when you get into the early teenage years. So the sort of mid period of the, the new gen and then the attitude era started. And I also found ECW on Bravo one night and back in from there. Nowadays, Don't really watch as much then, because, you know, jaded modern wrestling fan, but this is the one thing that keeps me watching it, is doing this. It means, A, I get to watch. You know, because the thing is, I watch, like, the majority of the stuff I'm watching these days is for the show. Um, As we said on the Heroes of Wrestling, when I watch NWA, you know, I flit in and out with NXT, but I haven't watched main fed since mania i didn't i normally would bother with survivor series but i haven't even bothered with that you know i try to watch nxt but not as much as i used to you know is it's one of those i don't watch as much as, as back in the day but i still sort of keep keep my ear to it to find out what's going on and if i hear that something's awesome i will then go and watch it but yeah it all started with Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks.
0: Mr. White, how about you?
2: Well, uh, being... Well, I mean, I don't want to... I'm not bragging, but ever so slightly younger uh, than uh, Chris Lacey, uh, we haven't yet, in timeline, got to the period of wrestling where I started watching, um, which we are within a year of, um, my first WrestleMania was 2001, 17, so not a bad time to come in. <laughs> um, but I think I'd been watching by that point anywhere between six to eight months. So sort of right slap bang in the middle of the year 2000, really. Um, I would have been about eight years old uh, and just, yeah, just I it was the rock that I remember just I was all about the rock, completely hooked on on everything uh, rock, and uh, that that was it really. And I think I'm I'm a bit of a wrestling stereotype cliche really in terms of. Um, by 2004, I think I was I was gone, um, didn't watch any wrestling at all. Um, had completely grown out of it. For what I probably for years felt like would have been a lifetime. And I am that cliched wrestling fan that got back into things in the summer of 2011. Um, And uh, everything with uh, CM Punk and whatnot. And then I was pretty full on from uh, then on through to WrestleMania, maybe 32-ish. Taking you through like the Daniel Bryan st- stuff as well, the, the rise of all that, and then um, obviously The Shield. And basically, the last couple of years I've really dropped off in terms of like main roster. Watch NXT most weeks, been watching AE- pretty much every episode of AEW really recently. Uh, but aside from AEW and NXT, don't really watch any current day wrestling at the moment apart from. That and obviously all the stuff we watch for the show. But yeah, that cliche fan that went away and came back in the summer of punk, that's me.
0: Down to a T. Just you and three million others, eh, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> who
2: who have all gone away again now. <laughs> <laughs> so, have indeed. With the fact that we've seen this
1: like all the stuff of the show you weren't there for first time round. Had you seen any of it or do you go into everything sort of pretty much new? Uh,
2: I mean, all the big stuff like I've seen, obviously, but I like there's probably not full pay-per-views that I've watched. But over the particularly since like coming back to it 2011 onwards, you go back and revisit everything and obviously got so much to catch up on by that point. I've probably seen like everything there. Is worth seeing from that era. Um, there's not much that happens that I haven't seen that I will have wanted to see, if that makes sense. Like I've seen the good stuff. It's the bad stuff that's new to me, which in some ways isn't isn't great. I mean, so I, I don't... With me,
1: I sort of lived through all of it because obviously I watched it when it first happened. So a lot of the stuff is going back to what I'd seen before.
2: I mean, I don't want to cut down cut down our own gimmick here, boys, but it's a lot <laughs> shitter than I remember.
0: <laughs> I True. think, to, to try to defend ourselves slightly here, I think it's the same with anything old, be it with music, TV, film, comedy. You remember the good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Some people say how great the Attitude Era was, 98, 99. They're talking about Austin giving Vince the finger and stunning him. Yeah, they're not talking about the. They're not talking about, for example, fabulous Moolah winning the world title with a roll-up in three minutes from, it was if ivory, that's right, yeah, yeah, the other day, yeah. Yep. So the, yep. the, you know, and all that sort of stuff, you that is blanked from your memory, you know. It's, yeah, uh, exactly. Now we don't talk about beaver cleavage for a reason, but when we have to put through this stuff week after week. We very much remind ourselves. I remember Bob, when Bob was in charge of this project, you know, before I came along and took over the reins in a non-hostile takeover. And he was saying to me, he told me in 97, everyone talks about 97 being a great year. He said, I think it's terrible that all this stuff with gang wars and everything. And he wasn't far wrong. But that stuff had been just written out of history when it's all, you know, Brett v. Austin, USA v. Canada and all of that, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. But you, it, is uh, our,
0: it is our duty to remind people of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, of course. And like, it's just like the, the reputation that this era has a, amongst sort of all wrestling fans. Really, it's not even like a, a subsection. It's like this is like the hot period. Really, that we sort of everyone remembers now. Um, and it there's there's so much more bad than there is good, but the good is still as great as ever.
0: I think by and large, this era does hold up. For all those, and I do understand it to a degree, for all of those who are calling for the Attitude Era to come back, uh, I've got news for you, it ain't going to. (laughs) Some of the stuff here, they wouldn't even come close to getting away with these days. And I think in that respect, that's something we should be largely thankful for. But the sheer dynamism of the product 20 years ago, the WWF, we're talking about here, obviously, I still think that shines through, certainly shines through my laptop screen every time I watch the WWF shows. There's a real life to the product that they just don't have these days without wanting to sound like a jaded, cynical old wrestling fan. As our friend Eric calls me on here on many occasions, I'll just answer the original question myself. When did I first become a wrestling fan? Uh, I am 37 and a half years old, ladies and gentlemen. And I started watching pro wrestling when I was 13, 14, which for pre-Attitude Era is probably quite late when you think about it. I had no interest in it whatsoever. And I had a friend of mine who lived just down the road, who he had a PlayStation. I was stuck with the Sega Saturn. He had a PlayStation. So it's all Destruction Derby and Ridge Racer and Wipeout and the original Tekken. So I would go around his house regularly to play the proper games because I was stuck with fucking Clockwork Knight and Sega Rally. Very long, easy ride. So I'd, I'd go around his house... Uh, Two or three times every week, and I knew he watched that wrestling rubbish. Sometimes I get around there a bit early and think, "Oh, this nonsense." So I intentionally went round at about what I thought was 6 p.m., so I'd miss all the wrestling that was on. So we'd just get on and play whatever it would have been, uh, probably the demo disc or something. And uh, I miscalculated the time. I turned up half an hour late, and Mania was actually—I think it was Mania or Action Zone. Uh, so it's February 96, and the match taking place was between One Two Three Kid and Hakushi, I'll always remember. And I was actually half watching it and thinking, hang on, this is actually really good. They're doing some very impressive things here. Because I thought pro wrestling was just those two fat blokes waving their fists around and stomping the mat. And hang on, they're doing things here which I could describe as athletic and, oh yes, interesting, <laughs> intriguing. They're actually having what I would describe as a proper sporting contest. And it went on from there, and I sort of drifted, vaguely drifted in. I missed all the WrestleMania 12 build-up, for what it's worth. But then I was channel-hopping. I think I was waiting for sports news, as it was called, on Sky Sports 1 at the time. And I flicked over just to see Diesel whacking Shawn Michaels with the World Wrestling Federation title belt. And at that point, I thought, yeah, this is for me. And I became a fan instantly straight from there. No real follow period, so all the way through the Attitude Era. 2000 2001 was my first year at university so i had less access to the <laughs> product of course at that time is when channel 4 was started showing pay-per-views okay they were completely bastardized adverts in the middle of matches etc etc i got a bit lost around the 0406 i zoomed back in late 06 for whatever reason i remember unforgiven 06 was the first pay-per-view i started watching again Stayed through Benoit and all that. It must be said. 2011, <laughs> ever the contrary bugger. Everyone else gets back into the product in 2011. That was the time I stopped watching for about a year.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, did you think I did it on purpose or something? I'm a CM Punk fan, everybody. But then I was pretty much there ever since. Obviously with the network, I stayed. 2015 Royal Rumble was the first event I watched on the network. That tremendous triple threat match between Rollins, Brock, and Cena. I don't really watch much of, every, every, of any current product these days, but I do read a lot, so I could tell you everything that's happening in the main roster, NXT, AEW, et cetera. Don't really watch a whole lot of it, I must be honest. Much like Glacier, obviously, with the wonders of the network, if there's something in the Fed, which is well worth checking out, it's very, very easy to do so. When I'm not watching stuff for this project, I do tend just to pick a random pay per view and have it on in the background. I was watching Dear Old Survivor Series 96 the other day, for example. And just one question before we move on, guys the WWE network, yes, there are ways it could be improved, but for this project, it's a bit of a godsend, isn't it? Especially when you consider when we started this back in 93. (laughs) see <laughs> so there you go back in 2013 loyal to the last back in 2013 uh we didn't have one so getting the footage for the shows was bloody difficult but now it's all right there for us uh chris white you first
2: yeah i mean it's been an absolute godsend really and it much like you i think keeping up with today's product it's one of the sort of as a fan it's great because i'm never going to be sort of out of the loop of with main roster uh, WWE god I'm so used to that
0: also loyal to the last
2: yeah yeah um yeah I'm so used to keep yeah with the yeah it's just, I've spent so long trying not to say WWE that it's now impossible <laughs> yes, I know. um yeah I, I think it's been amazing and like through like Obviously, the network, subscribing to newsletters like The Observer or um, The Torch or whatever, listening to podcasts and radio shows that will cover the main roster and everything like that, fully up to date with everything. And the network is just... Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything i change about, it, really. I think it's its just... It's a dream. Um, when I, It came in when I was at university, and uh, I didn't have... Um, Sky Sports. Um, I had to Sky Go through my uh, Xbox ah, 360, yes. but Sky to Go doesn't allow you to purchase from Sky Box Office. So this was like 2014 at the time, so right around sort of that period of Daniel Bryan um, coming to the like hit the the between SummerSlam and Mania 30, where it was like Bryan was everyone was. Desperate for him to be be in the main event, and he didn't seem like he was going to be. I, I literally had no choice but to scramble around and find these like terrible, crappy little streams mm-hmm. of WWF. Uh, oh my god, WWE <laughs> uh, pay-per-views! Like, and I remember like staying up till like half four to watch Helena cell when Shawn Michaels superkick super Daniel Bryan on this like terrible stream, and being like, "Oh, this is." why did I bother and then the network came in and it was just like oh I can pay my money and I can have the pay-per-views every month this is the best I didn't even care about the archive and then we got involved in the project and it was like oh this is this is amazing like...
0: Lacey on the network just briefly
1: see for me the the whole thing for the network was the archive I, yeah me too so even, even sort of when it first came out it was like yeah you get your pay-per-views which is great you know um, obviously the first few there was, if, if you try to watch it live, I remember it was one of the manias, trying to watch it live on the network and it just kept buffering and dropping out and stuff you know, that was a bit shit but the fact that you have access to every pay-per-view and pretty much all the TV going back um, and then finding little sort of gold mines like Mid-South and the AWA stuff and bits like that that are on there that you just like I'd never seen this old stuff before and I'm like because as we know you know my love of studio wrestling and things like, that, I'm like yes this this is what I want to be able to watch and also getting the the behind the scenes the documentaries and stuff and the table for freeze and bits like that that's what I like to watch and I'm quite happily sit there and just chuck one of them on for the half an hour whatever it's on and I'm just like that's that's my that's worth my tenner a month
0: yeah i think the only real issue with the network for me and i can understand why the federation do it is their own programming table for three an honorable exception i just watched the most recent one as we record this with aj jarrett and sting i thought it was great it was actually about something the three of them clearly enjoyed each other's company, and they really turned the stone at TNA in a way that hasn't been done for a while. So if you haven't seen that one on the network yet, check it out. But so much of the original programming on there, I don't get anywhere near with a barge pole. I mean, ride along, fuck off, you know, and anything so, like that.
1: So the thing is, you've got a waste um, of
0: resources, in my opinion, when they still haven't got all the Saturday nights up there. Sorry, Chris, carry on.
1: Though, things like the Austin show that they've just got up with him and take, yes. uh, the, the something else to wrestle with, the Pritchard stuff, that stuff's awesome. Um, the 24s... The uh, no, 24s
2: are, really are good, amazing, I was really going to say. Really yeah, they're so good. good,
1: you good. Know, so that stuff, you know, if some of the ride-alongs are quite funny. Just because you get them dicking around, as long as it's sort of people that you like. So like ones when the new day are on their all fucking Bullet Club are on there. They're fun, you know. Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville. No, I don't really give a fuck. But you know, with it is take it or leave it with some of the stuff. But for what they've put on there, you there's so much there that I've never watched that.
0: And I've had the network since it launched. Oh, yeah, I've I've had it since it launched, too, over here in January 2015. I don't think I've even come close to looking at the surface, let alone scratching it. There are so So, many rabbit holes you could go down. I think that's fantastic. And
1: And the fact that it's got all the old old VHS specials on there as well, that take me back definitely to my childhood, because... The amount of times I used to sit there and watch the Ultimate Warrior video or the Undertaker one or there's the Hogan one and UK Rampage and European Rampage and stuff like that. That is my childhood. And I'm just like, yes, I fucking love this.
2: I love the original content that's on there that, well, I mean it's not original network content but i'd never seen like the best in the world documentary cm punk and the my name is paul Heyman documentary they're both amazing they're on there but they i mean they weren't they were like dvd releases before the network was around i think so i did
0: put a few more documentaries for example the daniel bryan one isn't on there i actually bought that dvd last week I'm looking at that DVD box right now, in fact. I'll probably watch it when we're done here. But all those, all, the older documentary stuff like the Rise and Fall of ECW, I've long lost my DVD of that. Now, easily accessible. And that's where the network comes into its own, I think. Right, should we move on? We spent 20 minutes talking about our fandom and the WWE network. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that, hey, you know. Nah, it's get, getting to know you. Get oh, Right, so... I didn't actually give the boys the questions before we started, apart from this one, just to give them a bit of a warm up. Uh, Chris Watt, I'll come to you first. Uh, this is from our friend Matt on Twitter. Chris Watt, your favourite show that you have been involved in as part of this project?
2: This was really tough and I was really glad you gave me this question ahead of time because I spent a good deal of time putting together my answers. I've i got like a short list in my head and I still don't know what one I'm going to say. Um, I really loved uh, being on the Owen Hart show, um, obviously for tragic reasons, but um, I thought I was really proud of the way we sort of tackled that period that we knew, we always knew it was there and it was coming and I don't think we could have really handled it any better, the direction of the show and it was something different. It wasn't just like a pay-per-view review. And then we spoke about the incident. It was a show about that. And I was always very proud of that one. Um, I used to really love doing the uh, UFC shows, but uh, with uh, Bob and Tom back in the day, like as a massive MMA fan, it was great to go back to sort of the early days of the UFC as a promotion and just see where it was 20 years ago, because that was if, if wrestling was, just about on my radar then UFC wasn't really on my radar for probably another 15 years after that so that was always really cool we did one boxing show in 2017 we covered the Tyson Holyfield fight the the bite fight that was that was pretty cool I like that um but sort of more run-of-the-mill like your routine month-to-month show um I really really enjoyed uh November uh Last year, uh, WWF Survivor Series, I think it was with Eric and Dan, and yes. we did obviously uh, Deadly Game, That's that tournament, time. that show. And I think just the, what I, I don't know why it stands out to me. It wasn't like, a, I mean, it may well have been a particularly funny or uh, engaging episode, but I that, that one episode's always stuck in my head. Um, but I, I do think overall, probably that. But I think my favourite shows to record and I'm looking forward to the one this year, are the end-of-year award shows. They're the most fun. Um, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be that WWF November from last year. Great picks.
0: I should say, everybody, listen out for our review shows. They'll be coming with all the December 99 shows in about five or six days after you hear this. Lacey, the favourite show you've been on? This was easy for me, SummerSlam 94,
1: because I got to oh, wow. rewatch the amazing Bret Hart, Owen Hart cage match and I think it was the first time that in the show that we dropped a cultural reference that was perfect for the time when I dropped the Mortal Kombat
0: mirror mode. <laughs> I knew you'd bring that one back up. Just because it was just like
1: everyone was like oh shit he's saying it oh no it is right it's fine it's perfect time and I was just like yes because that was one of those sort of smug moments of yes open drops drop something and it sort of works. For the, for the sort of premise as well, so that was cool. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, getting to watch all the ECW is great. Um, one of the ones I really enjoyed listening to, obviously, I did send in a bit for it, but the Owen show, mm-hmm. how that was done, again, YouTube and Eric handled that fucking in such a stellar manner that did did it justice, and the fact it was in like the conversation afterwards about Owen and his career and doing a retrospective on him was was just really fucking well done um <clears throat> the award shows are always fun you know especially when someone says something outrageous like making Benoit rest of the year
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh so just just wait till next week my friend <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah no it's like uh, because I've been on here since sort of doing this on and off originally sort of since the back end of 93 beginning of 94 so you know i'm one of the i am probably the original the only original one on here so you know going back to the early stuff is really cool
0: yeah so 94 show that was when we were still doing the composite programs because i believe you did ecw on that show as well yeah, yeah, we still did. That was a good few a months bit. before we started doing separate volumes for the for the promotions. A good year before I came along. you yeah, so you're when you talk about Shane Douglas throwing the belt down. I actually listened to that show when I was in Wales a few months ago. I don't know how I can remember it, but there you go. Um, a couple of easy picks for me on this one. I'm glad you both mentioned the Owen show because I'm going to as well. When I first came across this project, let alone when I first became a member, I knew that obviously this one was coming and how it was going to be dealt with and it fell on to my shoulders to try to get it right an unenviable task it must be said i've been thinking about it in my head for a few months before and about we all were we had a discussion off air like the end of 98 about how we were going to tackle it if you remember that one gentlemen, i do think we did so in a dignified way but somehow managed to avoid just being maudlin at the same time i think splitting it up with looking at the event itself in timeline For half an hour and then spending one and a half hours just talking about Owen's career in the present day. I was very pleased with the way that one turned out. And we got a lot of positive feedback for that show, which makes it all worthwhile. I think my I think the best show I've been on was maybe an obvious pick, but obvious is obvious for good reason. Was WWF November 1997, where I was on there with Bob and Eric. The most well-worn topic. In pro wrestling, I think we managed to both convey the story again in timeline as if it were happening at the time, but we managed to look at it from a couple of previously unforeseen angles. We spent a lot of time looking at an idea for the match that was put forward by Jim Neidhart, actually, which we didn't even know about until we started reading through the sheets and a couple of things like that. So, that is still our longest show so far well over four hours but i do recommend you checking that one out if you haven't already and they often say the bad shows are some of the funniest to listen to and that's probably true uh this year june 99 wcw with eric and mr bob colling we're looking at uh great american bash literal and metaphorical sewage in that one so i'd recommend that one if you fancy a laugh a particularly bad show just one thing i do need to say in anti-deference to myself a show i'm not particularly proud of another quite important one i'm afraid july 99 99- i wasn't I was just well, I'd actually been hosting for a month at the time, so I can't even use that as an excuse. But July 96, WCW, Bash at the Beach and all that. Mr. Bob Bamber, in his infinite wisdom, decided to schedule the recording for a Saturday evening. So let's just say I turned up for that one. Shootably refreshed. And if you listen very closely, not least because my mic was shit then, you can probably tell that. But uh, there we go. no so it's not just a bad show, really. We do our best when the pay-per-view itself is excellent. We want to do more than just turn up when the pay per view is particularly bad, and there's going to be a lot more of that coming down the pike. We want to give you a bit more as well. But all I'm proud of every show we do, and all the thousands more we've got coming for you over the next thousand years. Okay, then that is the prepared questions done with. So, gentlemen, are you ready? You don't know what's coming now. Go on then.
2: Let's do it.
0: Okay, where shall we go? Here's one from our friend Stevie. Has there been a particular show or month that was so bad it made you think about quitting this project, Chris Lacey?
1: It was when I was sort of doing like a lot of the Fed stuff back in '96, '97-ish. But then I got given ECW, which was just like, yeah, that's that's fine, I, I can live with this. So yeah, sort of that's not really, I know it's not a really good answer, but yeah, as soon as I got ECW, that sort of was like, yeah. I'm I'm back in full because 'cause I'm just like I fucking love ECW. So that that sort of kept me going. There's not been anything I've just gone to you know I I can't fucking deal with this anymore. Obviously watching some of this the WCW stuff for this month's show is fucking dire, but you know, as I said, I've done my service. I'm not a touch of WCW for two thousand.
0: Chris White, what do we got?
2: Trying really hard to think of one, and I don't, I don't think there is. I don't think I've ever really come close to, to feeling like I want to drop off. I do think like the slog of watching, um, if you've got like ten hours plus, well, including the pay per view, and if it's WCW, three hours, and if you've got like, right. fi- if you've got like fifteen to twenty hours of. Of bad wrestling to watch I think it's quite cathartic to be able to get on here with some of the other contributors and just give it both barrels Um, so even when you've got the slog of I've got to watch all this shite um, (laughs) you do end up feeling quite refreshed at the end of it Um, it's like a cleansing process yeah Um, so sometimes you look at like what right I'm on this for this month what's coming up oh fuck but then by the end of it I, I, I try and go into it and be like Do you know what you'll you'll be fine you'll be fine at the end you'll you'll have enjoyed the ride and uh so yeah a bit of a cop-out really but I think I just enjoy doing it too much um so no matter how bad it bad it gets I think I'm in I'm in for the long haul
0: Yeah, I've done my best to pre-prepare for WCW 2000. If I'm still here in 12 months' time, ladies and gents, you'll know that I've actually managed to steer the ship through the very worst. But in answer to the question, no, because if any of us were going to quit, it couldn't be for bad pro wrestling, because let's be honest, it's rather swayed more than 50% towards the negative side of things. I think we were all prepared for that when we started doing this. There's nothing too bad as you really want to quit, although trawling through the nitros for three hours at a pinch 12 15 hours worth is sometimes i do wonder is it necessarily the most productive use of my time but hey i do it for you and for all of you uh sticking with worse here's one from Stu bran uh chris nation will come to you first again on this one because this ties in with something we did a couple of weeks ago i believe this is across the for timeline spectrum so look at anything you want to hear what which, which shows do you rate as worse than heroes of wrestling if any.
1: See, the thing with Heroes of Wrestling is, yes, it's a massive crock of shit, but at least it was funny. Yeah, absolutely. My, my big thing is always, we been, fun. I, I will take shit as long as it's, you know, funny or, like, you know, it's that bad that it's funny. I can't stand boring. And the last two WCW pay-per-views have just been fucking boring. That's That's the cardinal sin for me. You know, when you've got shit like fucking Starcade. Starcade's they're you know, sort of jumping in for, for the show. But when it's your biggest show of the year and it's just fuck finishes and just boring, that's the fucking cardinal sin. That's where I'm like this is fucking awful. Um they sort of going back there's a few of the E C W shows, sort of when they used to do the the tape Specials. Some of them were a bit fucking dog ropey in the beginning, sort of 95, 96 time. I can't think of any sort of names off the top of my head, but there was some. There was a lot of one match cards back in them days that weren't great. But yeah, no, you know, this back end WCW stuff is cardinal sin for being boring,
0: which is worse than being bad. I'm glad we got to hear your. Mantra for the show on this particular special, Mr. Lacey. Uh, Chris White, not that I want to preempt or lead you in any particular way for this answer, but I do recall you being on Bash at the Beach 95.
2: That yes. was a bit of a
0: legendary one, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, not. Oh, it's hard because I, I think some of the. I, I, I completely agree with Lacey in that some of the the most defensively tough stuff to cover is, is the the, the ordinary and the boring. And, and at the very least bash at the beach 95 had, we had that, that setting and it was just all a bit new and weird. And th- there was something about it that it was, I mean, it was terrible, but it, there's something about it that will stop me from putting it that low. I think amongst the worst shows I've ever seen as a part of the project, I don't even think I was on the show. I might have been. I honestly can't remember, but I watched it. it was King of the Ring 95. Um,
0: uh, yeah, I don't think you were on that one.
2: No. And it's. I, I just remember listening to Bob uh, Bamber just bemoan the fact that we had four Savio Vega matches on one show and just like, <laughs> The, the idea that out of nine matches four of them featured Stavio <laughs> vega and how grossly offensive that was as a, as a prospect um yeah that so that that was up there for me as like some of the worst stuff i've seen but yeah, that's the <sighs> grossly ordinary is is worse than than bad and I'd, I'd i don't know if i'd go as far to say that I would I would rather watch a terrible show than a boring one. Not quite lacy levels, but like I'm okay with different but bad, if that makes sense.
0: It does. I think from our perspective as you know, journalists, podcasters and some um, journalists. The boring pay per views uh, they take up obviously the bulk of of each show we do per month. A boring pay-per-view is very difficult to talk about for an hour and 10, hour and 20 minutes. If you have a bunch of non-entity two, two and a half star matches, a lot of early 98 WCW pay-per-views were like that, which surprised me actually, but they really were. So finding things to talk about and stretch out, it's not easy. I think it says a lot that a lot of the individually downloaded shows are some of, for some of the Famously renowned terrible pay per views. Like we've got great individual numbers for Halloween Havoc 99, which we just dropped, which I gave one and a half out of 10 to. Billy gave it one to. Now you've got November to remember 98. Which I don't think anybody gave that one more than two out of 10, including Eric giving it a zero. From a listener perspective, those ones probably are the most fun, even though we're the ones who have to put ourselves through it for you. But like I said earlier, we do it because we love it terrible pay-per-views while we're here king of the ring 95 is a bit of a gold standard for that really great american bash 91 which we were lucky enough to avoid jumping ahead of it battleground 2017 sings to mine as a particularly bad show main event of orton versus jinder in the bamboo thing whatever you call this what's it called punjabi prison
2: yeah yeah i didn't even think about like modern day um there's some real stinkers in the in this. That was like, a
0: paper I actually sat a rare paper view of the last three or four I actually sat down to watch and then I realised my mistake after the three and a half hours.
2: There's yeah there's some really bad ones of the past decade just because of the the churn of network like we have one basically every three me- three weeks and <laughs> like some of them are basically just house shows like that's it right? Like.
0: Uh, yeah, Literally, a house show last week cause we record this because Starcade was there. and No, I didn't watch it.
2: No, I did not
0: either. I did watch the other one before that. What was it called? Smallville? Somethingville.
1: Rockville, wasn't it?
0: Or something like that? No. Any... I have no idea. I actually sat down and watched that one. I can't even remember what it was. I'm sure people are writing in right now to tell me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the name when we do it in 19 and a half years' time, in any event. Chris White, going to come to you first on this one from
2: our boy Billy Johnson.
0: Any wrestler you could sit down and have a pint with, who would it be? And what do you reckon you would talk about?
2: Oh, there's so many ways you could take this. I think my. I don't know if I'd have a lot to talk to him about, but I would I mean, sitting down to chat with Dwayne Johnson would be the. <laughs> uh,
0: Join the queue, I would say. Honestly.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's the go-to pick, isn't it? But he was the guy for me when I was a kid, I, as I imagine a large majority of wrestling fans would would sort of of my age who because if I started watching, well, considering when I started watch, watching, Austin wasn't wasn't there like right at the start, um, or at least not active wrestler, and. Like, yeah, The Rock was the guy for me. Um, but I don't know that we'd talk about much wrestling, to be fair. Um, I think I would love to, and I don't even know, I, I don't think he drinks, but I would love to have a beer or a coffee with Daniel Bryan and talk to him about, like, his views on the world and sort of... not Not so much politics, but just, like... The humankind, and I think he's a really fascinating guy. Um, I, I i mean, I might be given an answer to a question we're going to get thrown at us later, but he'd be like my wrestler of the decade would be Daniel Bryan. Like I think from that modern era, I think he's one of the nicest, most genuine, and uh genuinely interesting characters within professional wrestling. I think that really stands out in an era when not many guys do. So, a uh, sort of fanboy immediately goes, "Oh my God, The Rock!" And then I think, "Oh, actually, I quite like to talk to about Daniel Bryan. I reckon we'd have some good conversations." We'll try and make it happen, everybody. Just like...
0: <laughs> Lacey, something a bit more realistic from you, maybe. <laughs> See, I've I've got because you've done it on many occasions.
1: Yes, but I've, I've got two i you know, one of my bucket lists was Foley, and I've spoke to Foley. Um, obviously, I've spoken to Jericho as well, so. I would I would love to speak to Bubba about what it was like getting that level of heat 98 99 with those promos that he was cutting in fucking ECW because that was another level of, of fucking heat but the other one is regal just because I could quite happily just sit there and chat with him for fucking hours about british wrestling about how, you know him, him in wcw you know his fed run what he sees in wrestling now what he likes about wrestling i, I think regal would be a fucking wonderful chat around a couple of pints. i really like that pick
0: that one might have ever so slightly more chance of happening one day <laughs> Well, you know, he does two or three times stuff. he's back over here each yeah, year. Yeah, over, here, he's over here a bit more than uh, any of the others. That's true. Watch this space, everybody. Raven is the answer for me, actually. Even now. If I could actually get a few words out, he actually looks like Julian Assange these days, which might be, put me off at some point. But yeah, Raven is the one I like to sit down and talk to in as many facets to his career and personality. I get the impression he's actually an even more intelligent and deep-rooted bloke than we are even aware of, and I'd like to be able to tease that one out of him, out of a couple of pints or so. Interesting that nobody said Steve Austin, but then it would be more Jack Daniels these days, wouldn't it, rather than pints. Don't, uh, only I the think, undertaker and Goldberg as we record this has been afforded that honor
1: I think the issue with
0: austin though is we've all pretty much heard all of his stories yeah yeah I'm, i that's why I'm glad that he's doing the hosting rather than anything else on this show of his or anything like it really i I don't need to hear any more about austin's career if i'm honest i yeah. feel like i i feel like I lived it from start to finish. I feel like I was there in a the sportsatorium with him in nineteen eighty nine
1: Whereas, you know, someone like, yes, Regal's done interviews and stuff and done podcasts. Like, there's, there's an amazing way if you can still get it. I don't know, because obviously I know Colt's taking a lot of it down. But he did an art of the re- a two-part art of wrestling with Colt Cabana, which is fucking amazing. Yeah, there there are bits with Regal that are there and thereabouts, but you just sort of, it's just the top of the surface. And he's like, I reckon there's so much more with Regal and the same with Bubba. You know, there's a few bits that he's done, but you never really get great amounts. Whereas with Austin, and same with Jericho in a way as well, because they have their own shows and they do over, you know, they're not doing sort of proper sits down and stuff with themselves, but they say so much about what they've done.
0: You sort of know everything. We definitely need to have a proper discussion show with all of these people one day. If anybody out there can make it happen. You've got the contacts, Lacey. Well, I can't see Fozzy fucking coming through Norwich anytime <laughs> soon. I don't think I'd like to talk to Jericho, if I'm honest. Ten years ago, maybe. I feel like there's a real rarefied air surrounding Jericho these days. I find it a little bit unpleasant, if I'm honest with you. There you Drink go. Drink it in, man. Yeah. All about the public. I discovered yesterday, as I was watching Armageddon 99, he actually called himself the champion there. So that's not even an original line either. Thank you very much. Send the hate mail to me. This one's from Joe on the message boards that I frequent. Mr. Lacey, bit of an easy one, this one, but the answer for me is no, straight away. Have you met anybody from this podcast? As in what? The any, any, any of the presenters? Said, any of the team.
1: Yeah, well, me and Mr. Bamba um, met a couple of times at wrestling shows. Um, I know we definitely went to a Rev Pro show. This is going back about four or five years. So sort of when the show was in its infancy. But that is about it. No, I haven't met any of the rest of you.
0: Uh, Chris White, you two were in the same arena at one point about four years ago. Am I correct? Takeover London?
2: Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a good... I I wouldn't have remembered that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Judging by your state at the time you told us about last year, I can well understand that.
2: Yes, that's true. Well, Um,
1: well, I was about 11 pints fucking deep by the point that the main event had started.
2: So I believe it was i i mean we may have just like stitched each other up a bit here chris lacy but uh you didn't go to high stakes 2016 did you the we, we pro show in london uh,
1: what was on it AJ. aj yes is
2: that... okay yeah the, we've met <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> i love it like i was at that show uh it, it was like uh there's about five of us, uh, Bob, me, you, Kieran, um, Tom, Tom Martin, me and Bob and Tom went to a couple of Cage Warriors shows, some local MMA, but yeah, um, we, we have met then because um, <laughs> we went to the AJ show and it was his like last indie date. It was like a week before the Rumble in 2016 and he faced Zack Sabre oh. Jr., And then did a little speech about, like, his future. And then, obviously, that next Sunday came out in the number three spot at the Rumble. But, yeah, so a handful of people, but not since 2016.
0: We're going to have to change this. I've met nobody from this show. I know them as voices in my ears, or indeed my head, and nothing else about that. But hopefully next year we can try and change that. Maybe we can get everybody over, even our friends from the States. What do you say? Do a live show.
1: I did invite you all down for, you know, WAW. I wasn't going, but I was going (laughs) to endure
0: it. Look it up, everybody. Look it up. Chris Weiss, question for you first from Mr. Eric Landstrom. What is more important for you as a fan, storytelling or work rate? I do.
2: I, I think I need a bit of both, um, to be boring, um, with my answer. I do need both. Um, Storytelling's more likely to keep me watching long term, especially this day and age when work rate is everywhere. If I need to see if I need or want to see good wrestling, I just need to open the browser on my phone or go onto YouTube and I can have unbelievable work rate in front of me in, in five seconds. Um, so to keep me long term watching a product, I need a bit of both. I think NXT really finds that sweet spot really nicely because they got some nothing nothing outrageous storyline wise but good storylines on nxt but with they back it up with some uh really great work rate as well so nxt is that kind of perfect combination of both um that i like um there's i don't think i, I would watch a promotion um that was all work rate Storyline, all storyline, no matter how good the storylines were, if the matches were terrible, I don't think um, I'd stick around for very long as a viewer. So, a blend of two. But if I had to pick one element that will keep me watching, probably if I had to watch a show that was just work rate spot fest or perfect storylines, I'd probably go with a storyline show um, o- over the, the work rate. And I think that's probably a large part why I enjoyed. Survivor Series last year and Deadly Games because the work rate on that show wasn't anything uh, anything remarkable, but the storyline of that show certainly stuck with me. So I'd say I'm more a storyline guy.
0: Which one is it for you, Mister Lacey?
2: Storyline.
1: It's seventy thirty because you know you can have the greatest story, but if the matches shit, I don't care. But I I tried to do New Japan, but because I don't get the stories, because you know, I don't even speak Japanese. You know, it's all well and good watching the Tokyo Dome January show, but I'm not going to come back and watch it week in, week out, just to see, you know, smash mouth, hard hitting wrestling, that's all the same, every match is, you know, high work rate. So, yeah, it there has to be both but if, if it was sort of down to it, its storyline
0: See if I've been asked this question 10 years, it's weird because somebody's always been a WWF Chris slash E guy ahead of anything, certainly when I started watching him for many years following I probably would say if it comes to me 10 years ago, yes I'd probably say work rate, match quality, whatever you want to call it, ahead of anything, but if there's no substance or framework to it, then I just can't get involved. Uh, to jump on Chris Weiss, it's just so easy Is it anything from the recent past or now. You can find it anywhere. I could turn on and watch NJPW. We've got Wrestle Kingdom coming down in a few weeks' time. I could sit down and watch that for six or seven hours, and I could be enthralled to a point by in-ring action. Uh, this is a bit of a controversial one coming up now, and it's not the fault of any of the great wrestlers who are applying their trade around the world these days. This isn't their fault. But I'm kind of done with good wrestling. That sounds like a bizarre thing to say. I don't think there's anywhere else that pro wrestling can actually go from an in-ring perspective without it completely pushing the boundaries of reality or believability, or worse, somebody actually dying in the ring. I see some of the things I know we all love Will Ospreay on this show and probably everybody this thing does. Some of the things that he does as a matter of course, every single I don't want to sound like Jim Ross here and tell everybody just a slow down kid and all that sort of game. You know, that isn't me. Okay, I'm not as set in my ways as people like Jim Ross or Jim Cornette or anything. But I don't I no longer pop for high spots. I'm not out of my chair for kickouts at 2.99999 because I feel like I've seen it all now a million times. The whole art of pro wrestling, and it is an art form, whatever the doubters might try to tell you, is there's nothing more important than getting a reaction. That's the same for any form of entertainment, really, and it works for pro wrestling, too. It's getting a reaction. And however you choose, A, choose, and B, have the ability to do that with, if you succeed in doing it, then you've done your job now despite what i've just said nobody enjoys a high quality wrestling match more than me pointing to myself with both thumbs hint hint you like that one Lacey? nobody does and nobody will either but i've got to be able to get myself into it by having the story the promos that are built up there you could put anybody together from I don't want to sound like NJPW. I'm not. They've got some great people there. AEW, NXT, the top of the WWE roster. You can stick them together and have an awesome match. For example, here's an example. When the most of the WWE roster were stranded in Saudi Arabia, and no, we're not going to get into that one on this show, maybe down the line, not on this show, a lot of people were calling for, oh, let's have a Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn Iron Man match, because they're both in the country. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm sure that match would be great, but you as fans are the same sort of people who criticise WWE, and I'm no WWE fanboy, by the way, but criticise WWE for not building to matches and storyline, and yet you're happy to throw out a 60-minute Iron Man match with no real build, just for the sake of oohs and ahs and flips and dips, and I'm a huge Daniel Bryan fan, and Sami Zayn fan, so I'm not getting at them particularly, but I think understand what I'm saying, it's, there needs to be a balance between the two and I think too many fans it skews too far in the work rate. I almost expect good work rate these days. I could just tune on an episode of Raw and you're going to see at least one match which is going to be in the high threes. Possibly even touching the fours. 15 and certainly 20 years ago. If you put all the matches on Raw together, Chris White, they probably would add up to four stars. But uh, Very rarely. But the stories pretty much held together, so it isn't much of a muchness. There's no real right answer to this one. I do think some of the more vocal elements of the fan base push the work rate button just a little bit too hard. It isn't and never has been the be-all and end-all. As many great wrestlers as there are these days. And for that, we should be lucky, we should be thankful, but you've got to have the full package in my opinion. Uh, Who did I come to first on that question?
1: Why? So
0: I'll come to you first on this and then Lacey. This one has come from Ben. What do you think of Conrad Thompson?
1: He has managed to make himself a fortune. Um, (laughs) Good answer. To be fair, I listen to, I don't listen to JR's one, but I listen to R and I listen to, uh, what happened when 83 weeks and stuff um 83 weeks you know the way that he deals with different people is is awesome because him and bruce and him and tony it's just funny just because of how he rips on to them and it's 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 like two mates have taken the piss but then when he's on there with Arn, it's like he's there with with your granddad and telling war stories and it's he has managed to get the balance right for how he presents. Um, And bless him, you know, if he wants to throw his money at doing something like Starcade or Starcast for fans, fuck it. You know, he's there and doing it properly. I suppose it's who you marry than uh, anything else, but yeah. (laughs) I can't, can't blame him for what he does, but if we could stop fucking getting the amount of shilling in his shows, that would be quite nice. You're talking about Bluetooth, aren't you?
0: Bluetooth, fucking phones, his mortgage company. Equal housing lender. Yeah. Bedding, that's another one that comes up quite a lot these days. JR talking to me about the importance of getting a good night's sleep. <laughs> Not advice I want or need, thank you. <laughs>
2: Do you but think yeah, this, no.
0: you quickly? Uh, I to you this on white as Do you think there's a danger that Conrad Thompson will or indeed has already saturated the podcast market? Certainly from a retro perspective. I think he has a show every weekday now.
1: I think the problem is he he is now getting to the point where he's doing the same things on all of them. Um, that's that's the one thing that he's starting to be a little bit annoyed with is like. Because um, one week they had JR doing a WF show, and then the week after they had Tony watching it, and then the week after that they had Eric watching it. i it's like like, mm, don't need everyone's opinion on the same yeah, shit. I
0: just coming in. I think it was a year or so ago. They had at least three of them watching the same random episode of Thunder from September 2000. What's the point in that?
1: Yeah, well, what's three you know, shows worth? So when they do more the actual character stuff or go for completely different things. I'm, I'm good for that, but I suppose having that many does suck a little.
0: Calm it down. No good more. Advice. If only more people involved with wrestling would heed that one. Chris White, what do we think? Mr. Thompson?
2: Far less from me on this one. I mean, I, 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 I listen to drastic less amounts of podcasts than I used to just got so much other stuff that I do these days so I don't really keep up to date with any of it I think I barely listen to uh, wrestling podcasts that aren't episodes of ours that I'm not on (laughs) um so far less from me really I mean I think that everything with Starcast is awesome and that's only a good thing for like business as a whole um and like obviously if it was more feasible and not in Vegas or Chicago, then I'd be one of the first people going there because like that that's that's awesome. Like uh uh yeah, I, I mean I don't really have any strong opinions on the guy. Um but if you've got a podcast every day of the week on the same topic, then I think you're gonna run out of stuff real soon.
0: Yeah, I think that's the danger. I haven't listened to one of these shows for a few weeks now, in all honesty. I used to listen to Tony's every week. I started at the beginning with Bischoff's, but I just could not take any more of the cannot recall slash wasn't in charge of creative bullshit from him. JR is done, I think, in Frontline Pro Wrestling, certainly as a commentator, and he doesn't offer much as a podcaster either. I don't think that Bruce Prichard is important enough to have the attention that he gets from these shows week after week. And like all decent people, I love Aunt Anderson, but I haven't listened to one of those shows. I think to a degree that Mr. Thompson can't really believe his luck at this, that he manages to do this every single week. He can just pick any random show no matter how tenuous the connection is to the person on who is on. And he gets one and a half to two and a half hours out of it. I think he's a fine host. I think he's a buncular. I think he knows his own audience. I don't have much of a problem with him, per se. Uh, the repetitive nature of a lot of the programmes is what has turned me off. And I do wonder if in a year or so's time, if it's still going, and with the same five people what other people have the same effect i think i could got saturating the market i put the idea forward not sure i necessarily agree with it myself i mean more people listening to pro wrestling podcasts especially retro ones will get them into more old stuff and who knows might mean they stumble across other retro podcasts as well hi so yes dial it back a bit as we seem to say a lot these days that uh, conrad is it's not quite a force for good in pro wrestling and uh he's yeah I've just stumbled stumbled on that one. A force for good. A podcaster. Could that happen? Watch this space, everybody. Watch this space. Chris Weiss. uh, Gabriela Defeo has got in touch on this particular one. Well, what do you know? Has she really? She has indeed. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Vested interest, everybody. Let's say that. Yeah. Did you know this question? If you had to have... it's a fucking brilliant question. If you had to have Seamus' mohawk or Paul Heyman's ponytail, which would it be? and why chris white i am going to come to you first on this one
2: okay well thanks for that one uh i really appreciate the uh massive amount of thought that's clearly gone into your question (laughs) um i mean i have to be a little bit biased on this one and go with the the shameless mohawk as uh she won't I, i mean many people will be Flabbergasted at this, but Sheamus happens to be Gabriella's favourite wrestler, so <laughs> I, I think she would much prefer the. Sheamus Are you being Hulk.
0: led in a particular direction here, Mister Mister White?
2: Well, I'm just I, I, I thinking that for my own interests here. <laughs> if 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 I was to grow a ponytail, she 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 may not be a massive fan, but the Sheamus mohawk, I reckon I could swing that. And I I think truth be told, I got a better chance of pulling off a mohawk than a ponytail, so I'll go for the the Sheamus hawk although i don't i don't know what the hell he puts in it to keep it well not anymore but used to keep used to put in it to keep it um quite so perfect for our 20 minute wrestling match well
0: i thought that was a good answer does gabriella L- let us know gabriella i will let you know <laughs> i'm sure you will uh mr Lacey. that leaves you with paul Heyman's ponytail really i bet you're not too disappointed with that are you well i was gonna say that's just what i do when i put my hat on <laughs> <laughs> it's it's
1: not really changing a lot really is it you know everyone that's seen pictures of me knows i have massive long hair so tying it up in a ponytail wouldn't make any difference and shave the front though at at some point i'm going to start receding so i'm going to hold on
0: to it as much as i can so yeah i'll probably end up looking like hayman in a couple of years (laughs) (laughs) for sure let us know i just walk around with the big mobile phone fella Next question from JJ, Mr. Lacey. Uh, is the Royal Rumble too predictable these days? That's a good question. These days? Yeah, these days, yeah. Hasn't it always ev- could- I'll, I'll go back. Ever since it became for the number one contendership in 1993. I'll you I think i that, because to be here, fair, yeah. what,
1: wasn't it predictable that Hogan was going to win? Well, Hogan win, Hogan, Hogan, Hogan pose. I mean,
0: go back, go back as far as you wish. Maybe not. Okay, John Stud winning in '89 was a bit of a surprise, but yeah, and Hacksaw.
1: But you know, those, those yes. first few, yeah. But to be fair, I don't think I've I've been massively surprised by a winner for a very long time. I mean, I think the Del Rio one surprised me, and the, and the one where. They gave it to Reigns over Brian, but then, to be fair, Reigns winning wasn't a surprise. It was just not the guy that people wanted. So I don't think... I think if you really look at it, is there really anyone that surprisingly wins it? You, You sort of know going in who are the level of people to win it. You know, yes, you can say the year that Cena won because no one knew he was coming back because we thought he was injured. The same with the year that Edge came back and won it. I wait in 2010. You know, those were surprises just because of the fact of we didn't know they were going to be there because of their status being injured. That's, That's a slightly different thing, isn't it? But other than that, it's, you know, it's not really a massive surprise. It's one of those... You, you always hope that they can mix it up and someone random might win I suppose should yeah they? No. it's an easy way to make someone if you want to make someone big and quick so you know you could look at it that way that if you if you did it properly it is a good way to make the new top a new guy to be a top guy but yeah
0: it's never someone completely out of the blue winning it so it's not ever really a surprise what do you think, Whitey, of that, and whether you're a fan of the Royal Rumble match in general, really?
2: Yeah, I mean, generally, it's probably one of the only pay-per-views that, and that, that and Mania that I will consider watching live these days. Um, definitely WWE-wise, uh, watch a few Takeovers live, but WWE, Marine Russell shows the Rumble, and is probably one of my favourites. I don't think to, to give it some to give them some credit. I don't think it's been too predictable the last couple of years like it can can either of you two top of your head remember who won in 2018 uh nakamura it was nakamura exactly and like i don't think that was too predictable at the time no and that one was
0: th- a bit of a bit of a surprise actually. yeah uh,
2: the year before that as well um was randy orton. orton and that was one of the ones where okay randy orton winning is never like a huge shock but i mean You had Goldberg and uh, The Undertaker, Reigns, Lesnar all in that match. And so I don't think Autumn would have been probably like, you wouldn't have necessarily had him pegged as the number one guy. I mean, it's always really from a pool of anywhere between two to five people. Um, I just think it's the nature of how they book. Um, Like looking at it now, you'd be hard pressed, like... I don't even know. I mean, there's a pay-per-view tonight. I don't even know what's on it, to be honest. Um, yes, as we
0: record, this, as t- TLC. TLC
2: yeah, TLC. Thing. But, I mean, you'd imagined that The Fiend will hold his title now through to Mania. And uh, so, like, if the Rumble's anyone from SmackDown, it will have to be someone to face him. And the. Yeah, and then, what, Lesnar... Will someone have to face Lesnar from the Raw side? So... Yes. I mean, it narrows it down in some ways, and I guess the unpredictability comes in in sort of, like, which brand is it going to be, in a way. And I think it's just the nature of them booking... Which, this isn't a bad thing, but, like, they probably know who they want their defending champions to be at Mania by now. So... I hope by, so. the, by the time you get to um, December the guy holding the belt at Mania is probably already holding the belt. So you know okay it's going to be someone to face that guy so it's got to be like it's got to be a heel or a face depending on who it is and so on and so forth. Um I I I think the idea of maybe having a program that runs and concludes at um the rumble for the title so that you have a big rivalry and a title change at the rumble on the same time that you have someone win the rumble to set up a match that's maybe more unexpected i mean the only time they did that in recent well semi recent history would have been the rock beating cm punk for the title but everyone knew that was coming because everyone knew they wanted to do rock cena too so it it was as predictable as they come, but that's, that's the kind of thing I mean, you need, when you've already got the belts on the guys, you want to have the belts before you're in the season of the rumble. It's, it's too predictable, but saying that, I think the brand split, excuse me, brand split adds uh, an element of surprise to it just inherently because you don't know which side of the equation it's, it's going to fall. And I mean, to be honest i don't even know i have no idea who i think is going to win the rumble next month um probably roman reigns (laughs) like
0: just because it's roman reigns yeah (laughs) maybe it's not so predictable my issue with the rumble nowadays and it is the one event i always watch without fail spoiler free i'll get home on a monday and i'll fire up the network and i'll watch the rumble match both rumble matches nowadays of course Start to finish, no spoilers. I'll always do that, no matter the state of the product, whether I think the winner is going to be too predictable, whether I like or not the main 30 guys and gals who are in there. I will always watch it. Force of Habit, maybe. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We all love the Rumble when we were young. Uh, It's The one match that non-fans will still bring up and talk to you about, and I think it stays with you. It's a bit like Pete's the Rumble. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. That said, my problem with the Rumble match these days is how formulaic they are. It really is a case now for the crowd where they pop for the intro and sit on their hands for another two minutes. And it's pop for the intro, sit on their hands for another two minutes. And a guy comes in, It's a flurry of moves, maybe gets where one of their finishes, gets taken down by somebody else, rinse and repeat. Everybody now just lies around in the corner waiting for the next guy to make his entrance, so it's all eyes on him. I don't get the sense that anybody's really trying to eliminate each other these days. They don't let the ring fill up in the way it used to. You know there's always going to be a Kofi Kingston elimination spot. You can tick it off and it's a lot less fun than the Rumble.
1: Though it does make for a good drinking game.
0: It does make for a good drinking game and that is something we could Bingo.
2: That sounds like a live special to me if I've ever... Really, I
0: was going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, Roman wins the Rumble and we can all go home. (laughs) So tune into our Royal Rumble show in January 2040, everybody. It's going to be fun. Uh, Chris White, uh, Chaos MV has got in touch and asked, how much do you watch per month for each show?
2: It does vary. Now SmackDown's there. Um, I kind of run through. Um, obvi- obviously, it goes without saying the pay-per-view. I'll run through what uh, sort of the results, as it were, of, the, of all the TVs that month and pick and choose. I haven't yet watched every Raw and every SmackDown from a month, I, I, and I'll quite. I, I might watch bits, bits from every episode, and quite often think. I can skip through this bit. Like I, I know this is a five minute match that and someone's gonna run in for a DQ. <laughs> like um it it does vary, but I, I suppose fifteen to twenty hours is like a good like that's very comprehensive, um, if you've watched that much. I mean it in terms of what we cover on the show, I mean, the pay per view is obviously key and all the big stuff if you really wanted to condense it down you could probably watch sort of five six hours worth of stuff but you'd lose the context of so much else that i think it is a valuable investment to go the extra mile and watch a bit more
1: what about you Lacey? so i made the decision basically because of amount of time that i have Um, but for ECW I'll only watch ECW on TNN, not hardcore TV because the first Uh, two months of it being on a lot of it was just either matches that were on TNN a couple of weeks later or just sort of pretty much inconsequential matches that were done at the same tapings so with that it's much more just the the Four or five weeks of TV in the month, and if there's a pay per view, so sort of about 10 hours at the most. Um, obviously, the last few with doing some WCW, I, yeah, you know, the last month's show, I watched all every episode of Night <laughs> and the pay per view, and I was just Whoa. like, what the, what the fuck am I doing with myself? <laughs> you requested to be on it, Chris. I did, but. I genuinely didn't think that three hours of you have too much faith or, or two hours 40 minutes that it works out once they take the ads out would be that hard to watch I remember sending you one of the messages like watching one episode of this is like is more hard work than watching everything for ECW in a month you know God bless you boys for putting as much as you have to for for Fed and WCW but I'm quite happy with ECW and 45 minutes of TV a week and believe, and so
2: believe me I'm quite happy on the WWF side of things I, I can do without that, that third hour
0: you've got a good 13 years to go yet <laughs> that's what we're really going to have to rethink I watch all the pay per view. So I watch all the pay-per-views for this project whether I'm on the show that month or not I should say just to manage to keep abreast of everything and am means i can give everything a fair shake when it comes to end of year awards uh tv for wcw i do watch all the nitros not necessarily in order these days because i have a life and i have a brain but it's quite easy with the network to catch up on hither and thither and on the labyrinthine storylines it's not easy to understand them but that uh, wasn't the case 20 years ago either don't really watch for thunders because there's anything really happened there it all gets recapped on nitro anyway so i would say For the shows I'm on, it's normally between 10 to 12 hours watching per month, which is okay, really. Normally takes about two to three hours to put the shows together afterwards, do all the reading, do all the editing, that kind of thing. So it doesn't take up too much of our time. So even if it did we would still bring it to you because we all love it so much i am duty bound to say uh, a question here that i will field alone from mr callum mcdougall uh, he is asking will you ever do battle bowl 93 <laughs> little scamp i should tell you the story behind that one uh, mr bamble when he first put the patreon together i want to say about three years ago said that if we ever got to a certain amount of subscribers that he i and uh, who else was it now Dell, that's right. He, I, and Dell will actually go back and watch Battle Bowl 93. Uh, probably the most boring show of all time. I'm talking about boring on this one. Probably the most boring show of all time. I remember he gave it 0.5 out of 10 when he reviewed it in timeline. And certain people, or one of them, wants to hear us actually go back and do the show live. Watch this space, column. I'll see who I can get on that show. It probably won't be me, however. Chris Lacey, Fred wants to know, isn't it about time the WWE <laughs> nearly, I'll do that again, I just about saved myself there Whitey, isn't it about time that the WWE gave us UK fans a big pay-per-view, if not Mania, at least SummerSlam or the Rumble
1: we won't get it, it it's however much we would love to we won't um, A, because we don't have Saudi money Cause that's the only time they'll break timeline for, you know, being on American time to put a show on. 92 worked because of tape delay. They showed it on a Monday. It worked fine. It, it's not going to happen. They're not going to do mania over here because it's too fucking cold to do it in a stadium. They're definitely not going to do the rumble over it. Again, see point A of it being too cold in the stadium. You yeah. so, know, it's been twenty eight years since a big show was outside of mainland states, North America. It's not happening. Sorry to be so so matter of fact about it, but it ain't ever happening. However much
2: we'd want it to, it's not.
0: (laughs) Mr White, are you as pessimistic slash realistic as Mr. Lacey? Uh
2: hopelessly optimistic. Um, as,
0: as ever, as <laughs> ever. <laughs> I,
2: I I don't think it's I think it's likelier now than it has been any point in the last 15 years I don't think it'll be too long before AEW run their first show over here yeah good call I don't think it'll be too it, it won't be a pay-per-view it'll be a dynamite taping or something like that or even just a live event but it'll be at like the O2 and it will sell out <laughs> and it will be a big thing and it will and I know WWE, they they're over here. They record a Raw and a SmackDown twice a year. It, that it doesn't feel like a big deal. Attendances reflect that an AEW show over here would draw from sort of I, I, the first ever AEW show that happens in the UK. If that's is at like the O2 Arena in London, it's going to draw an audience potentially from across Europe. They've they've drawn crowds before. Um, like they're, they're they're like they they draw flying crowds across America for like all in and shows like that. They, they would, they would do it over here. And, uh, I, I don't think it'll be long before WWE respond to that as they often do by coming back with one of their own. And I I think Lacey's right. It won't, it won't be a mania. It won't be a rumble. It will be like a battleground. It will be a TLC, but I, I I don't think it's impossible that within the next two to three years we we get a, a BC level WWE pay per view over here and and it has baffled me that since Takeover London we haven't had another one because that was such a success that show like everyone loved it and uh, like sold out hot crowd like just had such a big feel to it and it felt like a big moment and barely a Barely sort of, I mean, it's just it's just like an irrelevant show now. It doesn't mean anything, and I guess that's the nature of NXT takeovers. Back then, is like it's all cyclical, and everyone who's basically on that show is no longer in NXT. Some of them not even in the company anymore enzo and Cass. some of them are just main roster guys or well or finn balor's back in nxt like i I don't know it just doesn't feel like a, a relevant show anymore despite it feeling very much so at the time but i don't think it's impossible that AEW choose to run a show of sorts in the uk and wwe come back by not just running the routine twice a year european tour raw smackdown but they chuck in a sunday pay-per-view live event that's on the network kind of thing then give it a name and it f- and, 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 and hype it up um, I don't think that's impossible
0: I think that worked well enough obviously in the late 90s where we are now when we did Rebellion a couple of months ago that's probably the best we're going to get, I mean, when did they stop doing those shows, 2003?
2: yeah Yeah. yeah. we had what Rebellion and Insurrection Rebellion and
0: Insurrection were the two, yeah
2: I I I mean one of my favorite childhood memories of all time like most fond memories is Rebellion 2001 Rock V Austin main event WWF title Kurt Angle uh hit the rock with the belt Austin got the cover I was heartbroken <laughs> heartbroken at the time and uh after the show went off the air um I remember my my mum had phoned my dad and and said like oh it's they'd recorded it off Sky Box Office but we were there live recorded it so I could watch it back and like the show had gone off and then uh, I think we got Rock and Austin singing a bit of karaoke <laughs> after, after the show and sending the crowd home happy um, but yeah that that was like an all time lifelong like that that the memory of that night will live forever for me. Um, and and it was just a a rebellion so I don't think it's impossible
0: Mania and probably SummerSlam I think we can safely rule out, the time difference is the problem which was thrown around certainly in the pre-network days I don't think that's as much of an issue now, I mean wrestling fans will watch anything at any time, look at the Beast from the East shows a few years ago, the Saudi Arabia shows, the Australia shows People are going to watch them. If you're a subscriber to the network, you're going to watch it anytime, or you're going to watch it on demand shortly afterwards. I don't think that is as much of a problem. I think organizationally is where it comes in because WrestleMania and well certainly Mania and SummerSlam too these days, they're not just one-off events on the Sunday. I mean WrestleMania is a whole week of stuff, let alone a weekend. And even SummerSlam's two or three days. Now you're not just asking WWE to come over here. You're asking six, seven, eight, nine other companies to come over here at the same time and annex a whole part of London, which I'm sure where it would be held, to host all those events. You've got you've got signings. You've got the other shows. It would be very hard to organise. Not impossible, but very hard to organise. For other companies, not that the Fed give us stuff about those, of course, as we know, all too well. I think they might balk at it, so it wouldn't be seen as too much of a WrestleMania experience for a lot of fans. I reckon, in fairness to the E, they've at least considered it. That's not from any insider information, like, but I think. They've at least thought about it. Uh, if it is going to happen, it probably needs to happen soon. I mean, they could sell out Wembley for any pay-per-view you know. right now. They could put these tickets on sale and by the time i finish this sentence, they'd have gone. I don't think that's going to be the case all the time, but I'm with you both. It's highly, highly unlikely. Um, it's a shame, but I do get it and understand it. And let's face it, we will always have SummerSlam 92. Do you,
2: do you think... Uh, I, I mean, I... I... I think the the move to BT is going to be a bad thing for them over here.
0: Yeah, cause I should say uh, Sky Sports, who have had pro wrestling, well, WWF, over here since 1987, have lost the contract. that's going to BT Sport at the beginning of what well, about three weeks time? Yeah, go on, Chris.
2: Well, they're in a lot less homes, I assume. BT Sport. I have no idea on the numbers. I well, not It's not. BT but...
1: Sport's free for everyone that has Virgin. Okay. So, I have if you have Virgin, you get BT Sports for free.
0: Is not it on EE as well, which I'm also on?
1: Probably. Yeah, I think you get that as well. So, technically there's going to be a lot more people that can get it for free and don't have to pay to have
2: So there's more free
1: access, packages. but I think But I should, the number of people for Sky 2 Virgin is much less.
2: Yeah, okay. But But, as you say, it's now a free access if you are on Virgin rather than having to subscribe to Sky Sports.
0: I do yeah. wonder how they'll handle it as well, much like Channel 4, who we mentioned earlier. They'll completely bastardise the shows. But they're off to a good start with Kevin Owens ripping up a poster of Chris Sutton.
1: Ah, uh, local boy done good.
0: <laughs> I thought you might like that. I should say for everybody who doesn't know, and you're quite lucky, Chris Sutton, former striker, and indeed central defender at some point for Norwich City and Blackburn Rovers. Chelsea. And Celtic. Yeah, God, Chelsea and Celtic. Yeah. It was the, the British transfer record when he went to Blackburn?
1: Yep. Five million.
0: Five million. And is now a very shite pundit. <laughs> uh, we've got a few more minutes to go. Um Chris White, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, serious question. A couple of people have asked this one. I uh, I don't think you've been as exposed to this as Lacey and I, but I will come to you first on this one. Uh how hard is it for you to watch and praise Chris Benoit matches as part of this podcast?
2: Um I've I've never found it difficult and I I've heard people talk about this before um I generally have less, have had less exposure than the both of you to it um but I th- I think what is so different about it is that Chris Benoit of WCW doesn't look like the Chris Benoit of the early 90s in, in in the Fed like it, the the presentation's different um he's a lot smaller and it it, it just it just it doesn't really come across as that guy and i think as we sort of move through the next couple of years and you're in the fed and you have like that benoit begins to emerge within the wwf i think it will become more and more difficult but i think it's one of those things that it is it is impossible to uh you, you, (sighs) you can't think about it when you watch the shows because otherwise you just wouldn't watch them um, you you have to try and stay in that time machine mode, and I think that's the only way you can do them. I don't think you're ever going to authentically enjoy a Chris Benoit match ever again, like unless it's through the lens of this time machine mode. And it hasn't happened yet. Um, it'd be too difficult otherwise. I think it will get harder with time as as we creep closer to uh, things happening and it, it will only get more and more difficult I think I'll see if my opinion changes then but I haven't found it too much of a struggle just because you really have to try and keep in time machine mode it's the same way that like obviously very very different circumstances not comparing the two at all but like you couldn't get sad watching an Owen Hart match because mm. otherwise you'd have been permanently sad watching yep. Owen Hart, and he was too great to make you permanently sad. What, so, because you knew what was coming. Whereas obviously Benoit is more is is very, very different to that. But you, you, you can't think about that aspect of it too much. Chris Lacey? I
0: quite easily
1: separate the two, because think of some of the Bands that I like and stuff and artists I like musically, it's easy to separate the art from the artist. You know, Benoit and Ring is his art. The fact that you know, roided up, brain fucked, Benoit went and murdered everyone is two different things. You know, so it, there is quite an easy thing for me to just separate the art from the artist. I'm um, not ashamed to say I quite I will still watch match, Benoit matches and enjoy them. You know, I as I said I can separate the two. Yes, he's a dick, and you know what he did is fucking unspeakable. But why he got to that point was through his art, which. I can still enjoy. Yes, I know watching him do massive fucking cage top diving headbutts on a two-minute match on Nitro makes me think that's a concussion. There, that's you know not helping, and that's probably where the craziness started. But I can see the the, the, the two sides of it and can quite easily still enjoy watching his matches.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one and there's no real right answer to this. I know there are some people who could never watch a Chris Benoit match again and I entirely understand that view. But we don't really have a choice if we're going to do this project properly. We have to take it all in and he's around with us for another seven years to come. And I'm a pretty strict adherer, if that's a word, to the timeline and the time machine mode when we do it on these programs. So if Chris Benoit has a great match, which week after week he does, and he's going to feature in end of year award shows, then now we have to talk. But we, we, we don't know what's happening next in the course of this show. So we have to play it as realistically and as authentically as we possibly can. I'm not going to pretend it's easy. It isn't. It's always, I can't speak about anybody else, it's always at the back of my head. And even though it's a long way down the road for us, I still don't know if we're all still doing this in seven and a half years, how on earth are we going to tackle that one? Even from 20 years, distance, the wounds aren't going to heal. We're not going to be able to passively apply ourselves to it. So we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I do find it difficult. Uh, it's part of the job, I'm afraid. But obviously, I don't think you would really need to ask us what we think of the events in June 2007. Uh, a couple more questions to go, uh, Mr. Lacey. One for you first. Do you miss? I think this one's mainly talking about WWE. This one's from uh, this one's from Neil. Uh, do you miss blood in pro wrestling? I, I think he's primarily talking about the uh, the Fed here but uh yeah. who, who, who do you think?
1: See I'm one of these of obviously watching a lot of old school stuff done right blood can extenuate a story and make it much better. You know, I'm thinking you go back to something like the old school dose stuff from the 80s where dust like flare of dusty would go at it and you know it was a massive, massive brawl and you know bust open and triumphing with it. But then you look at something like ECW which obviously we see a lot of, and you're just like, Yeah, we could do with maybe not so much. And Heroes of Wrestling and Hepatitis boy and one Ma- and Arkeem, you know, we can definitely do without that. I think in modern day and age, there is still a purpose for it, but it is one of those who've used very, very, very sparingly can emphasise a story and just just give that little bit more depth of realism to it. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm not wanting this to go back to... ECW and you know the amount of blood that was flowing there because yeah people like Abby are about
0: <laughs> no God. one needs the hepatitis that lovely juicy hepatitis Uh Chris White I know one of your favourite matches from this year there was a little trickle of blood or two in the Cody versus <laughs> Dustin match so uh, what are your general thoughts on that um, blood yeah, and mean, pro
2: wrestling these days you yeah you've said it for me that I think I think it still is my favourite match of the entire year. Uh, Cody, yeah, double or nothing. Cody, Dustin, and blood did nothing. I mean, there was perhaps too much um, in it, um, but it, the use of blood as a as a storyline tool in that match did nothing but accentuate how good everything was um, because the storyline it matched the storyline, it went with the storyline of this blood feud. And I, I I think I understand, um, why it's not used so much, but then again, I think sometimes like the fed have it way backwards. Like the, the very, very rare occasion in the last sort of five years or so they have deliberately wanted blood. I mean, the, the most famous being, well, Lesnar and Orton at Summerslam and Summerslam obvi- 16 yeah so the, the viewpoint here is that obviously blading is like this like barbaric like the the, the idea of using a blade to, to cut yourself in your forehead to make a small cut sweats will accentuate the blood and so on and so forth the idea of cutting yourself with that blade is like barbaric and hideous and like grotesque but driving a three hundred pounds man's elbow into your forehead so it busts it open, you breathe, you bleed profusely is okay, is so backwards yeah. and so much more dangerous than just a quick little blade job in the corner. Um and I when they do stuff like that, they know that blood is a tool that can accentuate a match and extent accentuate a story. They're very aware of it. Um I don't I'm not one of those people, even though As you rightly point out, my favorite match of the year featured it heavily. I'm not the people who needs to see it very often at all. But if you've got the right storyline at the right show at the right moment and you can add it in in a way that feels authentic, then it's going to be nothing but a benefit. So I would like to see it more than it is currently used within WWE, but by no means like the the, uh, good old days of pretty much every show. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I still think even now it does have its place if it is needed to accentuate a feud. I mean, we're not quite there in timeline yet. We're getting there. Uh, It's a period on Raw, sort of late attitude into the Ruthless Aggression era, really, where you'd have people bleeding, like in IC title matches on Raw. On Raw, this is. Every single week, it seemed like. Triple H doing a show in in every pay-per-view match for about five or six years. And it loses any impact it could possibly have if i see somebody bleed in a pro wrestling match as, as i want to believe that yes okay it has come to this we have stepped over the line now and this guy i can feel his blood trickling down his face now he is going to use that adrenaline rush to either go for it or he's going to die trying that's where it comes into its own and to see every match being a bloodbath which we in mainstream wrestling we came dangerously close to that about 15 16 years ago let alone the likes at ECW or shortly before that and CZW and all the Billy's favorite hardcore the hardcore promotions you do swiftly get desensitized to it as well so it doesn't have the reaction of the crowd of oh my god he's bleeding it's oh my god he's bleeding and that is entirely counterproductive in my opinion uh last question and it comes to you to start off Mr White's It comes from Simon, and he wants to know, is it time for Vince McMahon to hang it up? And I'm going to add my denim to that question. It's not going to happen,
2: though, is it? Uh, No, it's not going to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone. Um, I I love NXT. Like I said, I absolutely love NXT. Is there anyone who could take five hours of first-run WWE TV a week with the rosters they've got, and make it compelling week in, week out. It's really tough. Like Triple H has spoken about it quite openly. A two hour show is 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 difficult, but a three hour show is a whole other ball game. And I think it's just so much content and the black the brand split does them no good in terms of splitting the 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 I mean they have an incredible roster, let's face oh, facts.
0: Yes, the best they've ever
2: had. Yeah. Comfortably comfortably one of well, yeah, the best Uh, When you include NXT, everyone they've got under that WWE umbrella is just unbelievable. But does that translate into, well, in this day and age, seven hours of TV a week? It's just, I don't know if you can do it. Um, I mean, there's good stuff in pro wrestling, like... (laughs) when there's good stuff there's a tendency online for people to assume like oh that was that was hunter and it it, it you know what well, it probably wasn't the, the good stuff's vince the bad stuff's vince it is really telling sometimes how touch how out of touch vince is with the uh john moxley interviews earlier this year and just uh good shit pal Exactly that, I was hoping you would uh, drop that in, but like, that's what I mean, the TV shows are basically written for an audience of one and it it doesn't quite work, and I, I don't even think I don't even know if it's a Vince McMahon problem I mean, it is ultimately his, his problem, but it's more of a structural issue that I think you, like Vince is no one in history has done what Vince has done for as long as he's been able to do it and like it i i don't think he needs to go but maybe the structure around him needs to change where it isn't so totalitarian and he like the buck stopped with vince on every single thing and there needs to be be more creative freedom for individual guys i think that's a good thing um and maybe a bit more trust just stop scripting every promo down to a t yeah um a bit and i I think stuff is subtle tweaks that can lead to big changes like as you just said scripted promos not everything has to be a vince mcmahon decision and i and i think as difficult as writing seven hours of tv must be every week it must it would be a hell of a lot easier if you didn't have to write all of them promos down yourself and you trusted your performers to to authentically know their characters know their storylines and know your direction and your vision and implement that in the best way possible and you've got talented talkers so it's time for Vince McMahon to change and it has probably been for a long time but it, it's not going to happen
0: Vince McMahon realized 23 years ago that he had to change and the next two or three years weren't so bad after that put his competition out of business a further two years after that so you know, the runes are there should he choose to read them but uh I'm still not convinced, even with Mr. Khan lurking behind him, he really feels he has to. What do we think, Miss Lacy?
1: The only way you get rid of Vince is him being put in a box in the ground. He is not letting his baby go. Um, There was talk back end last year, earlier this year, that Disney were even looking at buying it and I, I think even if they came in with their billions, I think even Vince would be like, "Yeah, you can have it, but I still run it." And that would be the only thing that he would allow him to sell to anyone would be if it's still his and he still gets to do what he's done. He's been doing this for what forty-five years now. Yeah, I fifty know. years. He doesn't know anything else. He. You you still hear with like Pritchard and stuff where he's saying that they're still doing the fucking all hours meetings and planning meetings for storylines and stuff even now. If if Vince took a step away from this, he would die. Because I, he's one of those like I'll refer to something that some of you may know. Obviously Lemmy, he was told to. Don't stop smoking and don't stop drinking, Jack Daniels, because your body is so used to it. If you stop it, you will die. (laughs) That is Vince. If he stops working the way that he works and doing the hours that he does and everything else, he will die. He isn't going anywhere. However much we may sort of, you know, whinge about the old man. He's too invested in this
2: for him to just stop um do, do you think the scope for that to change with the xfl relaunch or do you just think... gonna
0: make exactly that point
2: well you well go ahead and and, and answer it yourself for
0: yeah because apparently well there have been a couple of roars and i think smackdowns over the last two or three months where vince hasn't even been in attendance now, that's hen's teeth stuff normally it has been over the well ever since Raw began in 1993. Now, it's very rare he isn't there. And that has happened a couple of times recently. So I do wonder if even he is just starting to remove maybe his pinky finger from the tiller because he is going to want this second XFL thing to work. You know, he's he doesn't take failure. this And we all know what happened with the XFL back at 2001, 2002. He doesn't want to have to go through that again. Okay, a casual observer could quite reasonably turn around and say, well, don't do it again then, you fucking book. But yeah. that's what he's doing to try and have another shot at it. And I just wonder if anything is going to have him take his eye off the ball, pun intended, it might be this. If it isn't this, it'll be nothing, I agree. Because he's yeah. not going to sit down and write a book as much as he wants him to.
2: I mean, it's there's only so pun. many hours in the day, even for for Vince McMahon. And if, if he is going to be full on in the XFL then he's going to have t- less time to spend on that 7 hours of TV they now have so pay-per-views the, the thing with the XFL
1: though is because of it, it being a proper sport and not a scripted entertainment i don't know how much he actually needs to do if you know what i mean yeah, there there's, the, there's there's obviously game day and stuff and what he will want the production to look like and, where's the damn gorilla position? That side of it, but he's not. It's not like he's got to write it because it's it's sport.
0: <clears throat> I'll leave that one hanging in the air. But he'd still be he still be there though. He's going to be doing all the I mean all the preparation for everything. He's uh, he burning the candle at both ends doesn't even come close to describing Vince McMahon. Uh, it is twenty four 24 seven three six five with him, and I don't think he's going to take just having a Casual hand in XFL 2. Now, for him, just being the creator of it is nowhere near enough. True. So you're right when he says he knows nothing else but wrestling, Lacey. You are 100% correct. But he wants, before he eventually shuttles off this mortal coil, assuming he ever does, he wants to be remembered as best he can for something else. Vince hates pro wrestling I don't think it's as simplistic as that I think that's that's a debate for another day But he wants to be known for something else Other than just being the wrestling bloke As my mum calls him for example And this is his last chance of doing that True But
1: I, I I don't know How much as I said How much he needs to put Into The football because as, as I said, you know, other than game day and stuff, because he can't be at every game, he can't be at every recording. I've, I think he, you know, he'll still be fine. He may, he may sort of drop off and maybe not do SmackDown. So you might get Paul gets given SmackDown, but he's still he's still going to be on Raw. That's his baby. It's been his baby for fucking. 30 odd years you know he's still going to be there at every pay-per-view he's still going to be he still does house shows for fuck's sake He's, he's not stepping away from the wrestling
0: and for those wishful thinkers out there and maybe even some of you are listening if and when Vince McMahon does ever say goodbye to this one way or the other don't fool yourself into thinking that WWE is suddenly going to become a work-rate paradise. They're not going to turn into NJPW overnight, which is what I think a lot of the more fanciful fans are actually thinking. It ain't going to be like that. Paul is going to try to carry it on. Yes, he might bring some of his more NXT-centric-isms with him, but it isn't going to be a revolution. It is going to be, and I'm going to finish this up with this, an evolution. If indeed it ever happens and gentlemen that brings us to the end of our questions i should say a lot of people did send in multiple questions but i wanted to try to keep it to one per person so we could get to everyone here if you did send in more than one don't worry we're going to put them on the back burner because we are going to do this again probably in a few months time Uh, I should say Eric also sent in a fantastic second question, but I'm going to hold off on that one. Might just mention that on a future show in the Not Too Distant Future, so listen out for that. I just want to say, Chris Lacey, thank you for joining me here. It's something a bit different, wasn't it? It was, you know, it's a novel thing to do on a Sunday afternoon. And it really tested us out. Chris White, thank you as well.
2: Uh, Thank you very much, uh, everyone who sent in the question, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again. It was fun.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely do this again uh, probably in about five or six months maybe about June next year something like that maybe we could do something this two maybe even three times a year get some other guests on that sort of thing yeah, thank you everybody for sending in a question and for listening to this show uh, wish all a very Merry Christmas prosperous New year in as much as in as much as that's possible uh, do listen out for our December 1999 shows for the WWF WCW and ECW and our end of year review show. All of those will be dropping before the 31st of December, I hope. And then we kick into, well, it's actually not a new millennium. The millennium is actually from the year 1001 to 2000. uh, I think we're going to end up calling it that anyway. 2000 is going to be quite a year when we get there, when the WWF gets much, much better. And WCW does not. But we'll see when we get there, and hopefully you will be with us on that journey. So, everybody, thank you for listening to this and all the shows we've done over the last six and a half years. You hope you stay with us. And one more time... From me, Rory McNamara, from Chris White and Chris Lacey, thanks for listening and a very Merry Christmas to you. Listen to the show and tell Christmas special.